This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Welcome back to another Speak Sunderland Reaction podcast after another away victory for Sunderland, this time against Ipswich Town. Just like at the weekend, Michael and John are here to discuss the game and everything surrounding it. You're both doing well? Doing good, mate. Thanks. Yourself? I'm not bad, John. You? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. It's, all... it's amazing what a win can do to your mood. It certainly is. And John, what's what? What do you make of the Sky coverage? Because it's always better watching a stream when you've got multiple cameras, multiple replays, and actual commentators. Uh, yeah, in terms of yeah, in terms of most of the coverage, coverage, uh, yeah, it's obviously on a different level to to ten pound I follow. Um, a few <laughs> ignorant Sky commentators because I think they were saying yeah. that Aidan McGeady's uh, flourishing under Johnson, which isn't true in the last. Sky commentator said that uh, Danny Graham was a uh, a class striker in League One. So yeah, it's not. Yeah. I don't think their um, research is uh, too good. No, that's two Sky games where the commentators have labelled Danny Graham as a as a top class striker for this division. Which I'll leave it at an interesting statement. I'll not go any further than that. But Michael, I'll start with a straightforward question for you. Why do we have such an impressive record away from home? <laughs> that is a good question. I think last night was definitely helped by the fact that I mean you, I don't know if either of you seen it. The mood around Ipswich is pretty toxic, especially towards Paul Lambert. Yeah. Um, I know we'll get onto the game a bit later on, but I think in some respects, if you had to pick a time to pick Ipswich, it's probably now. In a in a general context, away from home, it's probably because there's less pressure on Sunderland. I would think because even though there's no fans at the Stadium Malay, there's definitely a, still an expectation to win games, and so there should be. Uh, there should be an expectation to win a majority of games, but I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's uh, more they feel free to express freedom away from home, or there's less. There's just le- it's less pressure mentally for them. There's less expectation. I don't know what it is. Um, but long may- can you ma- can you imagine if we actually finished the season unbeaten away from home in the league? I don't know. Imagine we won't. We like, go a long way if we did so, but it would be funny. Yeah. Well, as as many of us know, obviously we haven't lost away from home so far this season, as Michael's just said, and I believe that in all competitions as well. Um, uh, just sorry to interrupt, but we we lost at Wait Fleetwood in the Tip Peter. Oh, and the Papa John's. Yeah, yeah no one. Obviously, that yeah. doesn't count. That's not a competition, <laughs> really, is it? Okay, when the first team's featured, then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the only other English side to be unbeaten away from home in, in the league is Man United. So you know, it just goes to show how impressive the record actually is, John. And obviously, we touched on it a bit at the weekend, but our away form has massively outweighed our home form. And typically, you would expect it to be reversed. You know, at home, you're playing on, for Sunderland at least, what is a better surface. You know, the dimensions of the pitch are different. You're more used to them. The facilities are better. Um, You know, whether you're home or away in the current situation, there's no fans anywhere. So, it's a great record to have, but it's a very bizarre one in a way. Yeah, it is. Um, I think looking at it, um, because obviously it stems from Parkinson as well, um, I think we're probably set up to play um, away from home. Um, The onus is on probably other teams to attack us. 
Um, so we can sort of sit in and we've got the players to sit in. Obviously, we know we're quite, you know, pedestrians. We could, we slow the game down um, all the time. So it probably does suit us. Whereas you put us um, at the Stadium of Light, like you say, regardless of whether it's uh, full or not, there is an emphasis on to go and win, to go and attack these teams, uh, which we yeah. we know we struggle. We're not, I wouldn't have said we're a proper out-and-out attacking team. We're not. We're sort of, at the moment, we sort of pick and choose our moments. And that's that's a thing that is in massive transition, obviously, from Parkinson to uh, to Johnson. So well, I think we're a lot more set up away from home, hence, obviously, the record. And then the onus is on us at home, which is where I do think, obviously, we fall short. Yeah. And Michael, do you think the fact we are unbeaten away from home is, I suppose, almost the motivation for the players as opposed to playing at home? You know, it almost gives them a target of, you know, as we said earlier, going the whole season without a defeat away from home and, and maintain the record. Whereas at home, and I'm not sure I'm wording this properly, but, you know, there's nothing to actually maintain in terms of home form as it stands. Yeah, I get what you mean, because at home it's like, oh, we've already lost three or four games anyway. So it's like, oh, all right. But yeah, away from what I, I do kind of get what you were coming from. Um, well, obviously, I don't know if that's actually happened before in the industry. If someone's actually been unbeaten away from home um, in the league. Like I said, I don't think we'll do it. I think eventually we will get beat away from home. But um, it, it, I do get what you mean, though. I mean, how many? I don't know how many away games we'll have left. We've only just, we've played, tw- I'm looking at the table now, we've played 23 games. So we've only just reached, for us, only halfway into the season. For yeah. Yeah, for away games coming up, yeah, you'd like to think that there might be a rec- they want to try and set a record for a longest unbeaten away run. So um, if somebody could beat Manchester United away from home, that would be great. Sorry, at their place, yeah. then we can be the only one left. But yeah, well, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, they should have the sort of hunger. Uh, I'm pretty sure they probably do on some level, but they should have that same hunger at the Stadium of Light anyway, because obviously we've still we're still yeah. able to go up and. And if that, I mean, and if that's not the aim, then I don't know what the point of the season is. So we've still yeah. got to look, we've still got to look to win as many games as we can. For me, it's just about getting going on a winning run and just maintaining it as long as possible. Yeah, we'll look at the Sunderland team that started the game yesterday, and there was one change. Um, Lee Burge started in goal: Max Power, Bailey Wright, John Willis, and Callum Fadzine. Josh Scoen, Max Power, Carl Winchester, Aidan O'Brien, Charlie White, and Aidan McGeady. And John, there was one change the personnel but another change to the formation and you know in the style that we were playing obviously we touched on at the weekend we were playing a narrow kind of four triple two formation but with diamonds replaced by winchester yesterday we seemed to adopt the four three three that we were kind of used to for the first like five or six games under lee johnson and i don't think anyone really saw that one coming but when the teams were announced and you saw the the change the extra midfielder um, you know, what were your initial thoughts on it? Um, again, Loon, to obviously what I just said a minute ago, we, we, you know, we're set up away from home to sort of be hard to beat um, and, you know, catch catch them on the break and get one chance and at the moment. Obviously, Charlie Watt's taken them. So it was quite, it was quite a standard uh, one for me. Um, probably obviously 20 minutes in on the red card, if it was yeah. me, and it probably a bit harsh, but I'd have probably taken off one of the midfielders then and put um, either Gooch or Diamond on and stretched the game. Um, but then that's probably a, li- a little bit bold from Johnson at the moment. But that's that's what I would have done. Anyway. But I, I see where he's coming from with the the starting lineup. And like you say, that's I think that's the reason we are obviously unbeaten um, away from home. Yeah. Well, the game got underway, caught underway last night in front of the Sky cameras, and 
opening 10 minutes or so were, well, over nine minutes or so, very even. You know, both sides looked like getting forward, but they also looked like they had a mistake in them. You know, there was a bit of sloppiness on the ball from both sides. Um, but I think it was 10 minutes into the game, the first real change in point occurred. Um, Jackson took a heavy touch with the ball. Bailey Wright came in for the challenge, and Jackson was very late and very high in the challenge. Planting his foot, which I think it was you know, pretty much on the top of Bailey Wright's shin, and was sent off. Straight red card, and there weren't really any complaints, really. And this sounds almost like a rhetorical question, John, but you know, can he have any complaints about that one? Uh, no, none at all. I think he was, even he's come out and apologised, and and Lambert's obviously apologised and said that he was he was fuming about it. It's, it was quite hard because when you first saw it, all you hear is every player just scream, yeah. um, you know, at the referees. So that's Ipswich and us. So you. At first, I thought, oh, Bailey Wright's in trouble here because I think Bailey Wright yeah. looks like he goes for him at first. But um, yeah. fair play to referee in a in a top position now. I don't like to talk about referees but because they're normally shocking, but he wasn't actually too bad. And obviously, he got his spot on it. Nice to see um, a big decision and a right decision, obviously, go go our way. So, yeah, he can have no complaints, can he? And Bailey Wright's lucky that he actually, you know, he's able to play yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. And, Michael, do you think the red card helped Sunderland? or almost hindered them in a way. But obviously, we know Sunderland are famous for struggling to break teams down, that you know, they get men behind the ball, and every side to go down to 10 men tend to do exactly that. You know, how, how much of an impact do you think that red card had on Sunderland in general? I think at first we struggled well. Actually, to be honest, I didn't think we were that great throughout the whole game. Um, I think we were probably all right without really going for them too much. But I think, in, especially earlier on in the first half, I thought... It's even after the red card, it took us a while to settle back down again. I think. I think we were just kind of, I don't know, if we were sort of taken aback by the fact that Ipswich had a man sent off. I know that might sound ridiculous, but I think that we we were just almost a little surprised, and we thought, right, let's just calm ourselves down and keep going. So, uh, but I do get what you mean because obviously Ipswich were then when they're down to ten men, we're going to have to pl- put literally everybody behind the ball and just make sure they're as rigid and compact and structured as possible and as we know as you as you've said yourself Sunderland have a habit of, fa- of failing to break that down so um I think but then again I could argue early on I might contradict myself a bit here I think early on we probably were trying to keep hold of the ball and if we weren't creating chances and I was saying this while I was watching the game last night or whenever you listen to this the Tuesday night that just tire them out literally tire them out press pa- pass the ball around tire them out and then gaps, and then you could argue that's what Sunderland's goal came from. Gaps started to form, and Ipswich were starting to lose their shape. So, in the end, obviously it helped us because we got the one nil win. But we didn't. But I don't know whether it may be hindering us in terms of Ipswich being more rigid at the back than they would have been at eleven v eleven. Um, contributed to us not taking advantage of the red card as much as I would have liked to have done personally. Yeah. And obviously, despite the red card, Sunderland really didn't take advantage in the big part of the first half, at least. You know, the passing was backwards, it was sideways, it was like watching crabs. Um, you know, we were sloppy on the ball at times. And John, when you're playing a side with a man down, you expect them to move the ball around, you know, stretch the pitch and, you know, tie out the opposition. But we just didn't really seem to do any of that pretty much throughout the game. No, it's a, it's a strange one. It's a bit... It's almost like naivety that we don't we don't seem to learn. Um, we know Ipswich once they get down to ten men, they're going to be tight. They're going to sit in. So that's why I said the change I probably would have made is it may be harsh. We take Winchester off or 
um, maybe Ledbetter, um, and then push either Diamond or Gooch wide and stay, stay wide and, like you say, stretch the play. Um, eventually, when we did stretch them, I think we stretched it a lot more in the second half, which is obviously they must have got a kick up the backside um, at half time, which they shouldn't need in theory. They shouldn't need to be told that. Um, but when we did that, we did actually pull them all over the place. And obviously, we were, you know, we were a lot better. Um, attacking in the second half, but yeah, first first half back too like too it's too slow anyway. We we know that, do you know what I mean? Let lead bitters just too slow. I'd I'd prefer Winchester in there, just get the ball moving. And every time there was a forward pass on, it was let's just bang it into Callum McFadson, who needs like four touches to control it. And it was that's yeah. not gonna you know we're we're not gonna pull the players out. And then second half maybe Ipswich thought they could probably nick something, so they probably did try and push us, um, and they were pressing a lot higher, which then gave us the gaps. So it was more, it was probably a culmination of them doing it and us doing it, which is why second half we were okay. Um, and the one bit of, the one bit of fast-paced attack we did have, and a, a bit of magic from Winchester, with, you know, with the back heel, and you know, it's it's a great move and a great finish. And it's it's strange that they need to. Like if I was Johnson, I would I'd say, why can't you do that? Why can't you move that ball quickly? Um, I think Scam was one who was who was trying to move it quickly and look. Look for the pass, but it's just turn back, recycle. It's, especially against ten men. Different if you know it's eleven against eleven. We're one nil up. Yeah, I'm happy yeah. with you know to be conservative, but let's go for the juggler sometimes. Yeah. Well, forty fifth minute. Um, you know, Ipswich were hoping to go into break nil nil, but Sunderland, for probably the first time in the game, really decided to step up the tempo a little bit and actually play that forward pass, as John said. You know, Willis got the ball at the back. He played a ball into the Winchester, and he, he's took the. You know, the Ipswich midfield out of the game completely. Um, Winchester's he's played it out wide to Max Power. Max Power's got a great ball in the box and Charlie White's volleyed it in the bottom corner. And my goal getting a goal in the first half always bodes well for a game, especially mm. if it's the first goal of the game. But the way the first half had gone, the fact that Ipswich were down to 10 men and, as I say, just a minute or two before half-time, how big was it to get a goal when we did? It was massive. I think as well... Mental, but to be fair, Ipswich probably didn't show it as much second half as I expected. But I did think go one nil up, they're down to 10 men, the atmosphere is negative anyway, really kick them, you know, kick them while they're down mentally. Um, and I think there was definitely important. I did think that if we, I would have probably uh, been concerned for us had we conceded the first goal and gone behind because, as you know, it's hard enough, we, we struggle enough to break teams down anyway. But when, when you're trying to come from behind to win a game, I don't know if we've actually done that this season. If we're in the league, have we come from behind to actually win a game? But um, I could be wrong. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. But going in front was massive. Um, and especially the time, the timing of it as well, because Ipswich have gone into half-time despondent. And like John said, I think the second half, Ipswich would probably just thought, right, we've got nothing to lose. Let's go for it. But again, that exploit, that means that we had gaps we could exploit on the break. Um, so, yeah, getting the goal when we did was huge. Massive. Yeah. Um, you know, as we've mentioned before, many of the players are out of contract soon, and one of them is Jordan Willis. How impressed have you been with him, Michael, since he came back in the side? Because he's not just important to the, to the team as a defender, but as we saw yesterday, he also contributed a lot to the side going forward and, and in transition. Yeah, exactly. It's the pace he's got, isn't it? He's, he's quite, for me, I like him in terms of that he can actually bring the ball out of defence, which again, sounds very simple, but you'd be amazed how many defenders Sunderland have had since we've dropped into League One who are incapable of doing that. So um, Willis, for me, is very good. Obviously, he's got the pace to get back when we need to, if we're getting exploited on the counter-attack. He's, he's, um, he, he can, I, think he's, I don't know if he's scored that many headers for us, but he's obviously he can be a threat from set pieces. He obviously gets the ball out of defence, goes forward. 
Uh, and yeah, and I thought I, I thought he was pro- he was one of our better players last night. So um yeah, and for Willis, if we can manage to well again, it depends with the salary cap, doesn't it? If we can manage to keep hold of him, uh, I'd be pretty I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. Well, John, obviously, it was like I said, it was the first time you know we moved the ball with real intent. Really, you know, we created a good chance and scored from it. Um, and like I said, the one thing I like about the goal more than anything else was the initial pass from Willis. He took five or six Ipswich players out of the game initially, and that type of pass, albeit whether it's in the final third or you know in the defensive third, it makes such a big difference to the tempo of the game. It kind of unsettles the Ipswich players and. It just speedens the tempo up a little bit. We don't do it often enough, but when we did it, you know, it was nice to see it pay dividends, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I've said before about um, our centre backs just obviously bringing the ball out, um, and teams are going to try and high press us. Um, so, like I say, if we can nick that ball, you know, into the midfield, um, then you know we're well away. T- too many times yesterday, you know, anyone at the back had the ball. Um, and in the wet conditions, we're just lumping it over the top um, and just sliding out of play. And again, more naivety, but, you know, maybe the one or two times, the one time we did get the ball on the deck um, and then pass it around, we actually we actually looked decent. So that, that has to be encouraged, I think. Yeah. Well, half-time arrived at 1-0, as you'd, as you'd hope when you score the goal a minute before half-time, but it did. Um, Sunder made a change, which I believe was tactical. Um, obviously, Carl Winchester did pick up a yellow card for a late challenge in the first half, so maybe that played a part of Lee Johnson's thinking as well. But Winchester was off, and Elliot Embleton came on his place. And John, especially in the first, you know, ten minutes or so in the second half, how much of a difference do you think he made to the game? Yeah, I think he's his uh, ability to get on the ball and obviously both footed um, helps us massively uh, going forward. Um, he'll take he'll take the risks, obviously a lot more than Scowan or or Ledbetter, and I think he's got better vision. Uh, and also, I was watching. I was watching him off the ball, and some of his runs are really intelligent. And obviously, the other players sometimes not in his wavelength uh, to find him. And he does create stuff. And you've he's going to lose the ball every now and again, but you've you know you've got to expect that. You know that comes from McGeady, and we expect that. Um, but he's definitely a player that I think you just need to run in games. Um, I'm not sure about uh, Winchester playing in that position, sort of so far forward. I'd happily see him in place of Ledbetter. Um, and then just just give Embleton, you know, five games. Let's let's see what he could do because for me, he can only get better with the style of play that obviously we're trying to play, and he's he's a big part of that. I think. Yeah. Well, one day I'd love to be able to talk about the second half in depth, but as a Sunderland fan, we just don't really seem to be able to do that very often. Um, obviously, very little happened in the second half. Um, we managed to see out all of the three points in what was. Described as a scrappy but professional performance after the game. And obviously, Lee Johnson, when he was talking to Sky, he was saying, you know, some games, especially against the top teams and away from home, they're not going to be the best performances, but you go out to win. You don't go out to kind of impress. You get the three points, you go home, you move up the table. I think that's a fair way of putting the game yesterday, Michael. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, I think second half, um, I would have liked to have seen us force the issue a little bit more. But again, that might have been down to Ipswich trying to press and thinking they've got nothing to lose. But I do. But one of the things I've liked about, I don't know what you two think. I like, when Johnson, since he's come in, I've liked that he's set higher standards. Whereas if you look at, and like again, if you compare it to Parkinson, uh, when we drew at Doncaster, oh, well, these beat Lincoln and Ipswich, so we should be happy with the draw. It's like, no, that's not how it works, Phil. Um, we, you know... With Johnson, though, I bet you he 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 said himself pretty much on the Sky interviews that 
we, we would have liked to have seen us control the game better. He even said it after a 3-0 win at Wimbledon that we, we know we can improve. So, it's like I said, I think he knows that it's going to take time to get us to play the way he wants to actually have us play. But you can already start to tell that we'll get obviously a sim- simple thing is getting more balls into the box, getting more touches into the box, um, and just getting more men forward in general. Like you said, there's... And, um, and it's good to see that um, Johnson's proactive as well in trying to uh, control games. Again, like John said, if you look at Winchester earlier, he looked like, for me, he looked like he was starting to get wound up late on in the first half. And uh, it's good that he recognised that and just got him off before anything else happened. And obviously Gooch coming yeah. on, despite the fact he has had COVID recently, um, Gooch coming on gave Ipswich something to think about. So in general, I'm pretty pleased with Johnson as we, we know we can do better. Yeah. Well, Last night's win has Sunderland in seventh right now on 39 points. Obviously, 10 wins so far this season and nine draws, which, you know, if we don't start turning their draws into wins, it could be an issue coming into the season. But right now, John, is, you know, is there anything to really look into in terms of the table? Because you look at Sunderland, the seventh, but, you know, they've played a game less than Hull. They're only six points behind them. But at the same time, Aquinton are only three points behind us, having played three or four games less. You know, is there really anything to look into the table at this point, given the postponements and the rearranged fixtures to go yet? Um, I was looking at the table, and like you say, it's it's all over the place at the moment. So many teams got games in hand or ahead of us, and and that type of thing. I think the only thing it's really telling me is that you know we have got a good chance. There's there's no excuse to not you know to not think that you've got a chance. Um, you know, if 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 the chance is there, we we. You know, we do really need to have a good old shot at it, and it's it's definitely worth taking. Um, a, a, apart from that, there's not really, you know, it, it'll fluctuate, you know, all the time. It, in the middle of the game, we could be, you know, up there, and then by the end of the game, we're sort of back down again. And and this, the weird results are just obviously showing up. You know, I, was, I put out a tweet the other day saying Portsmouth had won, you know, three on the bounce, and I was thinking, oh, when was the last time we won three on the bounce? And then, you know, everyone talking about Portsmouth being so good, and I think they've lost two on the bounce now. And then, obviously, mm-hmm. everyone saying Hull, Hull were the, you know, the standout team, and I'm, I think they lost yesterday. Um, so it's it's literally all over the place. But I think all we can do is keep our heads down, keep plodding on. If we keep, you know, eventually this is, you'd hope this is going to click soon, you know, and we're if when it, it's not it's not clicking at the moment, but you know, we're, we're getting, you know, three points, you know, consistently, you know, last few weeks. So if we can, you know, when it does click, then I think that we will definitely be in this league a force to be reckoned with, obviously coming into, you know, I know we're only halfway, uh, but coming into, you know, the, the business side of things. Yeah. And um, well, we'll move into the player ratings, as we always do from last night's game. And we'll start with Lee Burge once again, who throughout the game had very little to do. And that was... You know, purely to the fact that Ipswich played a lot of the first, well, majority of the first half and part of the second half without a striker. Obviously, when Jackson got sent off, um, they didn't really reshuffle. They just stayed, you know, compact in midfield, compact in the back, and just played without a forward, which, in fairness, them nearly nearly played out, but it didn't. Um, I think you had, I think it was called in action once or twice in the second half, but. You know, easy saves, but saves that you have to make. Um, you know, when you don't have much much to do throughout the game, it's quite easy to lose concentration, but he didn't. He made the saves and he's got a clean sheet, so I've given him a 6 out of 10, John. Yeah, I've gone for 6, like you said. Just run of the mill, 
I think the defence do well to obviously protect him, so he doesn't face a lot of shots. But what he does, he dealt with, and his uh, his kicking was a bit better than than the weekend. So yeah, yeah. six for me. Michael, for you. Adding on to what you two have said, I'll go with a six as well. I think that all the things that you and John have said agree with, and also as simple as it sounds, his he started the move that eventually led to Sunderland's goal. I think so. Yeah, six. Can't complain with him. Yep. Uh, Max Power, right back once again, which is starting to become his normal position. Also, we used to say in the midfield role, but Lee Johnson has moved him to a right back role, and he is showing a bit more there than I think he has in midfield recently. But great ball in for White, opening goal, and the only goal of the game. Um, defended fairly well throughout. Purely for the fact he got the assist, I've given him a seven, John. Um, I actually, to start off with, I actually went with a five. Because um, I thought yeah. he was he was a little bit poor um, positionally, uh, but I've I've knocked it up to a six because of his positioning for uh, his cross and and obviously his cross um, was absolutely superb. You can't ask for more than that. But yeah, I've gone for six. Probably yeah, between obviously between seven to five. Yeah, I've gone for six. Yeah, I think the one thing that I really didn't like about Power yesterday, and I'm not sure if you remember, but I think it was actually the one save that Lee Burge had to make in the game came from. Max Power's mistake, where he's trying to play a Iniesta style no look pass yeah. in his own in his own defensive yes. half and lost the ball, and he's not the quickest, so he didn't really have the speed to you know to recover. But luckily, he didn't come from anything. But Michael, for you, Power, I was going to go with a seven, but you've just reminded me of that mistake, so I'm going to drop it down. <laughs> so yeah, just a six straight. Like I said, I mean, and this, he gets that like positionally, he was positionally at times he was poor and obviously I think it's not just exclusive to him Sunderland had a habit yesterday a few players gave the ball away needlessly and invited unnecessary pressure from Ipswich so but in but obviously that cross I think is fantastic for the goal so that bumps it up to a six yep um next game was Bailey White as one of the centre-halves and you know as we said earlier the fact that he played on after that tackle is pretty lucky because you have seen you know, players get serious injuries from them types of challenges, sometimes out for six, seven, eight months. So to see him just get straight back up and play on, although he did go off um, in the second half with an injury. But up until that injury, he defended well, um, never really put a foot wrong. So I'll give him a generic six out of ten. John? Yeah, I've gone for six. He was fairly steady, good in the air. Uh, but he just drives me insane when... He gets the ball too much time and he'll just, just sort of ping it out of play and sort of put his hand up as if yeah. to acknowledge, sorry, you know, we, we don't need that. We just need simple little balls. Um, out wide here, six for me. Uh, John <laughs> Willis was next to Bailey Wright. Um, you know, he was solid at the back. He's, he's played the initial forward pass for the for the opening goal. And, you know, throughout the game, he continued that. Um, good in the air, as always. Seven out of ten for me, John. Yeah, I've gone for seven as well. Solid. And his pace does help us a lot. Obviously, he bailed out um, his other defenders a couple of times um, just by his pace, gets him out of it. So, yeah, uh, seven for me. And I, he's definitely one I would be tying down to a new deal now. Yeah. And Michael, for you? Okay, uh, Jordan Willis. Uh, probably a seven. I think I think after Bailey Wright went off, I think he held the held down the defence together quite well and partnered Dion Sanderson quite well. So, if that's the back partnership, I've got no complaints. Yep. Um, Mick Norton back four was once again Callum McFadden, who, as John said earlier, gave him the ball. Um, it's kind of going to leave him with 10, 15 seconds to actually control it. He's, 
he's not really the left back we need, um, but he is the left back we have. Didn't contribute much going forwards. Five out of ten for me, John. Yeah, I've gone for five. Um, like you say, he struggles, struggles to control the ball and just slows it down. Um, it's, he's a weird one. Obviously, again, offers nothing going forward. So yeah, five. Michael Fiam. Same with a five. I'm just like I said, like I said last time. I'm just not convinced with him, and I think if we can get in the, the sooner, we get another left back in, or Hume comes back, the better. Yep. Um, Grant Ledbetter once again kept his place in the team. Um, and the thing that really annoyed me at the weekend carried on yesterday. The short set pieces, which yeah, you know, I'd love to know whose idea it is because everyone can say it's not working. The amount of times that I think Ledbetter played it to McGeady and McGeady kind of just froze on the ball and we lost it straight away. And, you know, as Danny Collins says on, on the streams, as a centre-half, that would really frustrate you to put it in a PG way. But you just get a ball in the box. Who knows what can happen? I know there was one time we got a ball in the box. It wasn't a great ball, but Ipswich defender missed it and Jordan Willis had a shot on goal. You know, if you do that five or six times in the game, chances are you'll end up getting a goal from it. But for some reason, we don't. Um, other than that, did his job in front of the back four fairly well. Still slowed down the game a little bit too much. But yeah, five out of ten, I've, I've given that better, John. Uh, I've I've gone for six. I think he did a lot of the, the dirty work. Um, sort of second half that we, you know you don't really notice. Like you say, the I'm not I'm not sure whose idea the short corner thing is because we've got so many players who can actually whip a good ball in. Um, and when we do, we we do actually threaten. So if he's you know if he's sort of like one of the leaders on the pitch, he needs to be. If if someone else does that short corner, I'd expect him to be berating them. So I'm not sure why he's doing them. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I've I've gone with just a, a run of the mill six. Yeah, and Michael for you six as well for me. Obviously taking away the corners, the Barclay. I think it was. I didn't notice him that much, but again, I think I said that that's what I want from me. Uh, defensive midfielders, if they're controlling the game and doing the quiet things, then more power to them. So six. Yeah. Um, alongside him, the second of three midfielders was Carl Winchester, who was brought into the team to replace Jack Diamond. Um, as you said, he played a big part in the in the opening goal. You know, he's played the back heel, which I'm sure will be on a highlight reel somewhere. Um, but he picked up a yellow card for one of the late challenges that he did, which hindered him defensively and as I said, it was possibly one of the reasons he was taken off at, at half-time. But up until that, you didn't really notice him in the game. Um, a midfielder of his of his kind, I suppose, whether you notice him or not, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but generic 6 out of 10 for me, John. Yeah, I've gone with uh, 6. Obviously, his his back heel um, obviously you know, baffles the, uh, the Ipswich defence for the goal, so um, it probably the difference in there. Um, yeah, unlucky with the the bookings, obviously, the ball's you know there to be won. It's the same with their striker um, yeah. for their sending off. You know the ball's there. You've got to stick your foot in there, um, and he's done that. And obviously, he's just come out, come out second best, and so it was um, sensible just to take him off. We didn't need to take any risk. But yeah, I've gone with six. I, d- I don't mind him. Yeah, Michael, for you, uh, six as well. In general, I don't think he did that much in the game. And as I said earlier, I think you, if I think there's a good chance Ipswich were trying to wind him up, considering he was on a yellow card. So in that yeah. sense. Good to get him. in that sense, like I said, it was good to get him off. But the back heel for the goal in the contribution to it was very good. So six. Yeah. Um the last of three midfielders was Josh Scoring, who to put it simple, was very poor yesterday. Gave away possession far too much throughout the first half and 
We never really got the grips in the second half. He was still sloppy on the ball and he was still just, just running around, really. So, four out of ten for me for Josh Scorney yesterday, John. Um, I've, I'm not a fan of Scowland by any means, but I've actually given him a six. I thought he did a lot of the... Uh... A lot of the pressing and the pressing was good. Is like you say, his passing is is off, but I don't think he's in there to be, you know, knit the play together because we we know he's not that player. Um, but for his mm-hmm. pressing, I thought he was good and he brought a lot of energy um, to the midfield in the pressing, which is what I want to see. Um, it's been weeks since we have seen it, so yeah, I've I've gone with a six, sort of, you know, standard. Yeah, Michael, you? Uh, I'll probably with John on this. I would probably give him a six as well. Uh, I do agree that I think that there are times where I think technically I'd like to see a bit more from him. But yesterday, I thought he was all around the pitch. And I thought, especially that against someone like Ipswich, you need that from your midfield. You need them to get themselves about the pitch, make their presence known. And I thought he did that enough, but without being spectacular again. So, yeah, but I, I think he was all right last night. Yeah. Um, first three attackers was Aidan O'Brien, who in the first half, uh, you know, he seemed to play out wide and... You know, he struggled to have any real impact on the game in the first half, at least. Second half, we seemed to move to a more narrow formation. Um, seemed to be playing more central alongside Charlie Wyke and saw a lot more of the ball, but didn't really do much with it. So I'd give O'Brien a five for me, John. Um, again, same as same as Scowan. Obviously, I'm not I'm not his biggest fan, but I thought his pressing, especially in the second half, was was uh, very good. Um, obviously, he won a little bit more from his striker. He was probably unlucky uh, not to score, but I've gone for six for, for his work rate. I was impressed with that. Yeah, my few. Same again. Yeah, I think, I'm do- I think I'm doing the run of the sixes here. Um, <laughs> another another six. I think that uh, originally watching the game, I didn't think he did all that much, but when I looked at it, some of the highlights back, I was actually impressed at how much he kept things ticking over and kept playing, um, kept being a part of triangles, linking plays together. Um, but like like John said, I do want a bit more from him, considering where we signed him from. But for for the moment, to be fair to him, um, he has got a, he's been a lot better since Johnson's brought him into the team. So long may that continue. Yeah. And um, the other side on the other wing was Ian McGeady again, and you know very similar to O'Brien had very lim- little impact on the game. Very wasteful in possession at times. For some reason, he keeps going short for these corners and getting it and then losing it. Same with the free kicks as well. Wasn't a great game for McGeady yesterday, so possibly harsh, but I'd give him a four out of ten. John? Uh, I've gone with a five. I thought he, he tried like he has done the last few weeks, but nothing, you know, nothing came off. Seemed to take the wrong um wrong decisions um every time and he's he didn't really have an effect on the game uh at all. Um only thing I'd anything I'd say is um from from Lee Johnson's point of view is we are winning games. And, you know, yeah. we won last night. We didn't have uh, Diamond, Maguire, obviously didn't come on. And we didn't have, you know, McGeady wasn't, wasn't really anything to do with it either. So, you know, three, three top players there, you'd think. And they're not really, they haven't contributed to, you know, a, a really good result. So that's, that's one, for, one for, obviously, Johnson to look into. But, yeah, I've, I've gone with five for McGeady, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Michael, for you? Yeah, five as well. Um, um... Try, tried, tried to do to make things happen, but obviously every time he got the ball, he had about probably two, at least two Ipswich players on him, which is expected. But if Sunderland used that intelligently, I've got no issue with that. But for McGeady himself, he was, it was uh, I thought he was better against Shrewsbury, but obviously that might be down to the quality of the opposition. I don't know. Five. Yeah. Straight back down the middle. Yeah. And the last of the starting 11 was Charlie White once again. You know, I said every week, great finish for his goal. Um, 
you know, it's just a sign of the confidence that he has as the Sky pundits continued to refer to last night. If switch defence didn't really, really know how to cope with them. So, 7 out of 10 for me, John. Yeah, I've gone for 7 as well. Absolutely top finish. Um, and he's held the ball up a lot better uh, to relieve the pressure on us um, than he has done in previous weeks. So, yeah, it was it was a really good performance from him. Yeah. Michael, if you know, I haven't forgotten your old Charlie work this week. You've got your same. <laughs> um, yeah, hat trick of sevens. Um, I, I thought I was very impressed with Charlie White, not just for his goal, but whereas I felt against Shrewsbury, he didn't really offer much apart from the goal he scored. This time, I felt that his hold-up play was good and he was a constant nuisance for the Ipswich bat line, even before um, even before he scored. So I was, I was impressed with him. And I'm, I'm glad to see his, te- his general play was a lot better last night as well. So seven for me. Yeah. And John, man of the match, if you're going to pick one. Um, I would go with White. I thought the finish was was class, and yeah, his, his all round performance was a lot better yesterday. And you see the confidence is is growing in him. So yeah, Charlie White for me. Yeah, Michael for you. Seconded Charlie White. Very nice. Very nice. I think I think that's who I went with in the match report. Like I say, he was just if Richard didn't really know what to do with him, um, and every time the ball goes near him. I never thought I'd say this, but he looked like scoring at the minute. And I think I saw something the other day that I'm not entirely sure on the numbers, but I think he's had something like 11 shots on target since Lee Johnson took over. And I think seven of them have resulted in yep. goals, which, you know, it's a, it's a good record to have, especially for a striker that, you know, for the last two years was, was a complete write-off, really. But Charlie White was one of the matches for me as well. So he's a different yeah. player, isn't he, Charlie White? I'm, just, I'm not convinced this is the same person. No. Impossible. It's nice to see. It's nice, nice to see him as well. Not be, you know, you can you could probably tell what sort of game he's going to have. First five minutes, if he's just sort of bullied by the opposition centre half, he's he's almost out of the game. But yesterday, he's, he seems to almost have them, um, as opposed to them having him, which is has been a thing through his throughout his Sunderland career. So it's nice to see that he looked, you know, the confident striker, and the defenders were sort of sort of cowering uh, when he was <laughs> on the ball and in the box. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that's exactly the sort of thing I want to see from him. I want to see him use his physicality because I think often when he's been here, he's been bullied far too much by people who are probably shorter than him, which I don't yeah. quite get how that's possible personally. But he's been a lot better recently, to be fair. Yeah. You mean players like Liam Brinkert? Uh Yeah, I was trying to avoid saying that, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> Brings back memories, that doesn't it? Liam Bridcut. Yeah, Parkinson. Not good ones, mind. Colton, what, what days that was. Interesting one, John. How, how much? How much of a difference do you think that hair transplant made for Charlie White? Because that's seemed to be his turning point. <laughs> oh, it's massive! Absolutely massive. Going to going to Turkey and getting a full, you know, full set of locks. This, you know, could do wonders to you. Certainly can. Well, our next game is against Gillingham at one pm on Saturday. Obviously, Gillingham do seem to get the special treatment and can kick off pretty much whenever they want. And I think it's to do with with saving money on lights or whatever, or just something along them lines. But with the new Fan Hub app coming out very soon, one of the features is the lineup predictions, where you're going to earn points for every player you guess correctly. And obviously you can compete in leaderboards with other Sunderland fans and other supporters. So from now on, we are going to do that at the end of every podcast as well. So John, you're in charge of picking the formation that you think Sunderland will go with in the game against Chillingham. Um, right, cracking. So I, I actually did this last night on my on the fan hub app, and I got one wrong. I put uh, Embleton in instead of Winchester. So apart from that, yeah. I would have. Uh... I had Maguire in. I thought Maguire was going to get his first start. I don't think Maguire started under Johnson, has he? 
Unless it was like the nah, first he hasn't, no. game or two. League, certainly. Um, uh, yeah. What do you want? Just the, just the formation or the team? Just the formation for now, and then we'll go off to each position. Uh, I think he's going to go uh, 4-3-3, especially at home. We've got, we've got to look to attack the team. So, yeah, 4-3-3, I think. 4-3-3. And Michael, we'll start with you. I think there's only one answer for this one. But in goal against Gillingham? Remy Matthew. Oh, sorry, Lee Burge. Adam Richardson is an option on this app if you think he could get a game. <laughs> Not sure who he is. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a series, yeah, obviously Lee Burge. He's, he's kept two clean sheets recently and there's no reason to drop him. Yeah. Um, John, right back. Obviously, Max Powers played there a lot. Luke Ondayan's back. Dion Sanderson is likely to be involved at some point on Saturday, I'd imagine. But right back, who do you think will start? Yeah, Max Power has got to be, I think, captain. He's going to stay there for the rest of the season, I would have thought. Max Power. Michael, you can either make the tough decision here or you can leave the tough decision to John as whether you think Bailey Wright will be fit or not for Saturday. So first, centre-back for you, Michael. Oh, right, I'll make the tough decision. I don't think Bailey Wright will be back. I don't know whether they'll do it as a precaution. So I'm, I think maybe they won't risk him too much. So I'm going to go with Dion Sanderson, start at centre-back. Dion Sanderson is the first centre-back. And John, the other one? Yeah, it's got to be Super Jordan Willis. Super Jordan Willis. And Michael, left-back. Not that we have much choice here. Oh, God. We're going to have to play McFadden, aren't we? Um, <laughs> I know. Oh, I'll tell you what, it changes. Bailey White, can you please get back in, uh, get in centre-half and put Sanderson left-back? <laughs> yeah. I don't care if he's literally a left-footer or not. I'd rather have anybody there than me. Yeah, it's going to be McFadden, isn't it? Besides, even if I don't want him in there, Johnson probably won't drop him. Yeah. And John, moving into the midfield, the first midfielder. Uh, I, th- I actually think uh, Ledbetter's going to play again. He loves him, doesn't he? He's going to play. Certainly does. That's the first midfielder in Grant Ledbetter. Michael, second one. Josh Scowen or Scowen. Scowen, Scowen, whoever you want to prefer. I think I was told by Nick it's scoring, wasn't it? Were you on that one, yeah. John, when you told me it was scoring? Or was it Michael? I can't remember who it was. Well, whoever... I, I, the other thing is, I'm, I'm just sticking with Scowen. Just got like, I think it sounds better. <laughs> Easier to say scoring. Scowen. Scowen, scoring. Scowen, say what we want. Just wait till Jamal he comes back into the frame. Everyone's forgot about him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's not back till the end of the season, isn't he? Um, I'm not sure. Obviously, I know he's back in doing like... I think he's doing gym work and stuff like that and obviously with the long break with COVID and whatnot I don't know if he will play the season or not but we might have to use him in the fixture backlash we're going to have if we can get him potentially. Potentially. potentially John the last midfielder uh, I think because we're at home I think he's going to go with Embleton in the middle Elliot Embleton right Michael first of three attackers yeah, I'll go with the easy one. Charlie Wake. <laughs> Sorry, John. Charlie Wake. And John, first of the two wingers, a wide player. Hey, he's not going to drop Aiden O'Brien, is he? So he's definitely going to start. Aiden O'Brien. And the last one will fall to you, Michael. You started, you can finish it. Okay, the other Aiden, Aiden McGeady. Aiden McGeady. So we went with Lee Burge, Bax Power, Dion Sanderson, Jordan Willis, Callum McFanzing, Grant Edbetter, Josh Scowen or Scowen, Elliot Embleton, Aidan McGeady, Charlie Wank and Aidan O'Brien in a 4-3-3 for the one o'clock kickoff on Saturday 
against Gillingham. Very nice. A 4 0 win. 4 0 win. I was just about to ask that. Who's going to score, John? Uh, let's have uh, two from Super Charlie White on his way to the European Golden Boot. Uh, <laughs> Aidan O'Brien's going to nick one. And I did say Scow to score last night, but he didn't. He let me down, so he's going to score Saturday instead to apologise. <laughs> like, I think it's, it's definitely brave going with a, with a scoring goal, given his <laughs> lack of attributes going forward. But, Mike, yeah. your prediction? 2-1 Sunderland. I think keeping three clean sheets in a row is too much uh, isn't is too good to be true. Even though I like obviously not uh, not letting the opposition score. As for goals, uh, White again, and ooh. yeah, okay, I'll tell you what. Based on that team, I'm going to go White. I'm going to go Embleton to get a goal. I just have a feeling. We have away from home on Saturday. No, we're not. We're at home on Saturday. Ignore me. Fair enough. Not a clean sheet. Then I'll go with three-one Sunderland. Charlie White hat trick again. <laughs> nice and brilliant. Would be very cool. the 20 goals of the season that our man, our Charlie is. It certainly is. I think he is one of the top scorers in the league. I think Luke Jeffcott, or however you pronounce it, is, is top. Um, or at least he was Clark last Harris time I checked, obviously, the Plymouth striker. Sorry, go, Michael. Clark Harris is up there, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think there's a few on 13. I think Charlie White's got 11 or 12. Um, 12, I think. I think it's 12 for the season in the league. I might be wrong. I think it's 12, though. He's got a lot. I know that. Let's have a look. Who, who are the top scorers in the league? Yeah, Charlie White's got 12. He's one goal behind being the top goal scorer in the league one. Something, right. again, I never thought I'd ever say, especially halfway through a season. Can you imagine that, though? Can you imagine if you put a bet on that at the start of the season? Charlie White to be top goal scorer in league one. What odds you'd get you'd on that? Got, you'd probably get better odds on that than anyone would have getting Leicester win the league. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a shock. It was an interesting one. But that is all we have time for today. Um, as always, we will probably be back on Sunday to discuss the Gillingham game. John Michael, appreciate you joining me on this very cold Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for having yeah. me. No, no, it's, it's all right when Sunderland wins, so let's keep going, hopefully. We certainly will see. Hopefully three wins in a row, so John can stop using that phrase of on the bounce and not associating it with Sunderland but <laughs> until until Sunday we will see you later